from Ventura, California, the land of eternal sunshine is Until We Die. And the entire band is here with the antidote. Thanks for coming, guys. No problem. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I guess I was being maybe a little bit tasteless when I mentioned about the sunshine, because I guess Ventura has been hit hard during the wildfires. How did you guys make out? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I live in an area that, that wasn't really affected where I live, but I mean, very nearby, it, it was definitely very impactful. The place that I, I work up in Santa Barbara um, is actually hit really, really hard. And that's, that's where all the mudslides afterwards took place as well. So I'm actually still up there doing a lot of cleanup from, uh, from all the mudslide activity. Yeah, it was about uh, a mile and a half, uh, two miles away from the hillsides that were burning and uh, didn't really get close to my house, but uh, I did have some friends lose their homes and it was pretty intense. That must have been terrifying. It was a little frightening, yeah. Especially when you can see the fires, you know. It's a little too close. It was something else. The smoke from the fires was, was so thick. It was pretty much like L.A. in the 70s. You mean the smog this time Mother Nature made? Yeah. Yeah, it was no fun. But, you know, it passed and then we had floods and mudslides and everything else. So today it was raining. So tomorrow it'll be 90 degrees. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) And that goes back to my lie about the land of eternal sunshine. (laughs) It is beautiful out here, though. This is where I would like to live. So that's why I'm here. You know, every time I interview an artist, I dig up all the details I can find about them. And that really didn't work out for Until We Die. I found almost nothing. It's like (laughs) the band came out of nowhere. None of us use our real names, so you couldn't possibly dig anything up. (laughs) (laughs) It's just because your names are so strange? That's true. Yeah, we're wanted. Wanted in 15 states? 38. 38 states now. (laughs) Any post office I go into in the U.S., I'm going to see your pictures. Yes, you will. But not listed under the bands that people want to hear. But, yeah. (laughs) Does that explain why your band picture is so fuzzy? Yeah. Yeah, we don't want nobody to know. Well, most of us are married, so they like to keep it that way. We're extremely handsome people over here. It's sunny California, you know. (laughs) Well, I guess this means it's going to be up for you guys to tell me every detail about Until We Die. No, seriously, though, how did it all begin? Mm, uh, I just had an idea to to play with guys that I had already played before that I knew that could, could actually play. Um, not that the other people that I played with couldn't play, but just people that were available that liked the same style of music that I did that was, you know, heavy and fast and loud. And uh, I had talked to Murphy first and asked him if he wanted to, and he said yes, and we had practiced a couple times or at least thought about it. And I had talked to Joe, and uh, Joe was a bass player. He plays guitar as well, and um, he said that he was into it as well. And we had a couple practices with another drummer, and he was really kind of not really reliable, you know, couldn't make all the practices. So we asked Mark if he wanted to play, and he said, yeah. We finally got together, and within, you know, 
10 minutes, we knew it was going to work and just kind of went from there, compiling songs and, you know, finally um, started to get a good set going together and booked a couple of shows and kind of just kept on going from there. You know, we all had the same goal, you know, to play as many shows as we could and then eventually record. And that's basically what we're doing right now. And we'd like to, you know, continue doing that, playing for lots of people and putting out albums or, you know, what have you. How long ago was that that you started up? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago, February. So you guys are newbies. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I saw the band photo of Until We Die, and it does show a bit of gray hair on some of the band members. I guess mostly Joe, your bass player. But anyway, none of you are kids, so why get into forming a band? Mm, we're too stupid to stop. <laughs> the honest truth. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, what else are we going to do? Just go day jobs and, you know. Take a basket weaving class? Yeah, totally not us. <laughs> Our wives wanted to get us out of the house, so we had to figure something out. So this is this is it. And this is a lot more fun than bowling. It's a lot louder anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Not as much fun as ping pong, but... Yes. Yeah, we love ping pong. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. if you got into ping pong, you know, where it was combative, full bore frontal attack ping pong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're playing a game together, by all means, we're looking to disable each other. You know, there's only going to be one winner. You know, and that's usually going to be Mark because Mark is the meanest looking of all of us. So he, he's definitely intimidating us. <laughs> and who's the biggest in the band? Uh, probably Mark is definitely the tallest. Murphy's the shortest. And I guess me and Joe, probably the same height. But me and Mark are definitely the biggest. We're the best looking, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> by Murphy. <laughs> well, you guys may all be good looking, but your wives want you out of the house. Yes. That seems to be an issue. Well, their boyfriends come over at a specific time, so we can't be there. Oh, that's def- bad. <laughs> yeah, so. I guess we should talk about your music, too, instead of just how your wives don't want you around anymore. Now, I'd call the style of Until We Die as being punk, but you could just as easily be seen as a rock band. How do you guys see the band? Um, I don't know. I think we're just a rock and roll band. But other people think that we're punk rock. Some people think that we're um, metal, hard rock, grunge, whatever. But it's all the same to me. You know, it doesn't really matter. I don't think it matters to anybody what you classify us as. We just want to get out and rock. Yeah, that's really just, all there is to it. We just play from the heart, man. Whatever comes out of us, you know, if we're if we're digging on it, then then that's what we're gonna do. Um, I don't think we've ever sit down and said, you know, let's let's write a song in in this genre of music. I think that would just be phony and contrived, and yeah, you know, it's not really our our bag. So, meaning the band really is that flexible. You'd be willing to play anything that grabs your interest. Yeah, I think uh, we all have different backgrounds and stuff that we listen to, and it influences us as individuals. And when we come together, that 
expresses itself through each person simultaneously. Yeah. yeah, and usually I come up with the riffs and then take them to practice. And sometimes, you know, we come up with a song and it absolutely doesn't sound anything like I thought it was going to sound, you know, because once Mark starts playing Joe and Murphy on the vocals and it's like way better than I ever anticipated it sounding. Once all of us put our input in it, then it's definitely the best at that point. How does the songwriting develop then for the band? What comes first? What are the stages that you're using? Uh, Usually it's just a guitar riff. You know, sometimes I'll put an entire song together, you know, just parts and I'll send it. Um, Usually Joe will learn it on the bass or guitar and then transfer it to the bass. And um, Mark and Murphy usually just listen to it at practice and we'll get it going. And then Murphy will apply lyrics and we'll make it fit to his lyrics and then we have a song and we usually don't like songs to run you know over two minutes or so you know short and sweet heavy you know fast but speed doesn't matter just as long as it's something that we all dig we're good with it and that's why you end up with a relatively short debut album we were speaking about this just before the interview started running at 23 minutes yeah, I thought it was longer than that until I, I seen the time. I was like, wow, 23 minutes. <laughs> we actually came up with one or two songs right when we started recording. So it can probably be shorter if we didn't do that. So, but yeah. <laughs> You've made it easy for yourself. If you decide to ever put this out on vinyl, it's only got to go on one side. <laughs> yeah, the old school 45s, you know, five on one, five on the other. And everybody knows length doesn't matter. I'm hoping. It's the quality that counts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, And you're happy with what you've put out, because you have put out something that's quality. So, yeah, after listening to it a million times, it gets on your nerves a little bit. But I think that's just the recording process. you got to go through that. But, yeah, we love the songs, and, you know, we left one or two off of it just so we could maybe, you know, put those on another recording session at a later time or when we put out vinyl or what have you put as a extra track a special feature you know something like that a few minutes ago you'd mentioned about influences and that's something that i don't usually bring up during an interview but until we die has had comparisons to motorhead and zeke so mm-hmm. i guess it's worthwhile asking what artists have made an impact on you Uh, Me personally, I mean, there's a lot of different kind of music styles, but ultimately I like, you know, 70s hard rock like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. That's my favorite stuff. And I know everybody has different different styles and bands that they really like, but, you know, 70s rock is my favorite and I like punk rock too. So, but as for the other guys, I'll let them tell you. I've kind of got a a wide range of, of music that I listen to, I suppose, but I definitely always come back to the, the 70s rock, like Chuck was talking about, um, 90s rock and roll. The, the Seattle scene is is huge in my book. There's very few bands, I think, now, or at least that are popular, that are coming out now that I could really care for or listen to. But yeah, you know, some early punk rock, but mainly 70s and 90s rock and roll. And you just dropped the 80s entirely. Yeah, the I mean, unless you're talking about punk rock or 
a couple few select bands. Yeah, I, I could do without the 80s. I think 80s is hooked up with like hair metal for the most part, but you know, I was into punk rock, you know, in 1980. So, you, you know. know, the flock of singles kicked ass, don't deny it. Oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> totally. I mean, honestly, yeah, a guilty pleasure of mine is definitely Duran Duran, but as long as nobody else knows that but us five. <laughs> and everybody else that's listening to The Antidote. It's all out in the open now. We can't take it back. That's true. That's good, though. Then how do you see Until We Die? Does it fit into this decade, or are you taking it back? I don't think we're trying. Yeah, we're really. just kind of doing our thing, you know. I don't think we've ever sat down and said, okay, we're going we to try to play this kind of music or fit in this decade or genre. We really don't put that much thought into it, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the trying to fit into a certain genre or trying to fit into a you know certain time is not really relevant, not really a concern of ours. Um God's given us the gifts that we have and kind of the passions that we have and the styles that we have. And we just kind of let it pour out and, and uh, hopefully people dig it. You mentioned about God. I've noticed that several of your band announcements include a Bible reference, 1 Timothy 1.15. Can you tell us about that? Um, I would definitely say one of the biggest reasons that uh, that I do this is for the glory of the Lord, to get the good news message out there. But as far as 1 Timothy 1.15 goes, I pulled it up on my phone so I could read it accurately. It says, uh, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Um, I, I'd like to think that's pretty self-explanatory, but to kind of expound on it a little bit, and that... uh. You know, Jesus Christ coming in the world to save sinners, of of which I am the worst. Um, you know, we're kind of saying we're not perfect. We've got just as much error, just as much fault, just as much reason to to need uh, Christ's forgiveness as anyone else. I think that's kind of why why we've put that verse at the the forefront of some of our flyers and shirts and and logo and so forth. Just kind of putting it out there that. We love the Lord, but we're definitely not claiming that we're perfect in it. The final line of that says, of whom I am the worst. Is that coming from a personal experience? Uh, speaking personally for for myself, yeah, I mean, I, I know that I've, uh, gosh, man, been, been through a lot of crazy stuff in my life and definitely uh, dealt a lot of wrongs out, that's for sure. So, yeah, I would think so. Okay, that's Murphy's view. What about the rest of the band? Is everybody coming from the same viewpoint? It doesn't matter if you're not. I'm just curious. Mm, I definitely think I am. I've done a lot of shitty things in my life, so... Yeah, that's a yes for me, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree. Lived a pretty rough lifestyle for a long time, and it wasn't until just a few years ago that I kind of changed the direction of my life and you know, started living a cleaner lifestyle and... You know, working more on my spirituality and just um, trying to recover from living that kind of lifestyle for so long. Definitely not Snow White over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you ended up on all those wanted posters at the post office. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. 
This is your debut album, self-titled. I'm sure you guys have busy lives outside of music. Creating this debut must have really upped your stress levels. For me personally, not really. You know, we just went in and recorded when we could. And, you know, just went from there. I don't know about stress too much. It might have for the other guys. But, you know, I know we were well-practiced and we knew the songs and... That's all there was to it. I mean, yeah, you had to do like a few takes sometimes, but for me, I don't think there's a lot of stress involved, to be honest with you. Not to say that I'm I'm a great musician because I'm definitely not even a musician. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, you know, knowing the songs and, you know, going in, laying them down and, you know, leaving it to the guy that was recording and mastering and letting him do his work, you know. But stress, nah, not for me anyway. Yeah, and I think the whole process of writing music together, playing music, doing shows, recording, it's more of an outlet for me than anything. I mean, my instrument's a lot more physical, being a drummer, but um, yeah, I think if it was stressful and it was a drag to participate in this, uh, I'd, I'd do something else. Maybe, maybe I would take up bowling. <laughs> <laughs> this was just like a weekend recording sessions that you were doing? And the weekdays, yeah. Drums were done in one weekend. Yeah. In the summer, well, it was like 100 degrees. So It was about 110 in that guy's garage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we spent two days tracking drums. Uh, You know, Chuck came in and did some scratch guitar tracks. He may have kept some of the tracks. But uh, initially, we just wanted to get that foundation done, and then we could just continue to build on on that, you know. I think uh, tearing down and setting up the drum set up and trying to get the mics in the right places again and again, that that probably would have been a drag. But, uh, yeah, and then it was just each individual going in and, and doing their part when they had the time to do it. I found out about Until We Die last year when I heard It Is Well on a punk compilation. That is a wild version of the old hymn. And I really think Horatio Spafford would be turning over in his grave with the Until We Die version. We were actually called devil worshippers at one time because we did that. (laughs) When we first put that out and Chuck kind of put together a little video of it to throw on Facebook. And uh, when we did that, a guy had commented um, how impactful and how important of of a hymn that was to the Christian faith, and and it uh, basically called us devil worshippers for what we did to it. And um, my response to that was just kind of, that hymn is incredibly powerful, and it's got an insane backstory to it as well. And um, I think what we did with it was hopefully bring it to an audience that may have not otherwise heard it, and hopefully it blesses them, and hopefully it's a giant kick in the teeth to Satan and in his minions. And how many churches have invited you to come and do that for Sunday morning worship? <laughs> uh, not looking to play uh, for Sunday morning <laughs> worship, but uh, <laughs> um, I mean, not that we would turn away playing at a church, but um, you know, I think Jesus said it best that he, he came for the sick. You know, he didn't come for the, the people who thought they had it all together. We just played at a church Saturday. whereabouts do you play then playing at a church is that a typical type of venue for you no i think that was the first church that we've played at in the two years since we've been playing 
we uh, we play a lot of bars and any other musical venue that uh, that will have us really. I'm wondering if the hymn meant something personal for you to go to the trouble of recording it. I think it spoke to Murphy because at first another band said they were going to do that song. So Murphy had to look for another song to do. And he was a little bit bummed that he didn't get that song. But they changed their mind and picked something else. And then we, he was told that we could do that song. So he was able to apply the lyrics to it. So I think it meant something to Murphy for sure. We all run through trials in our lives, and, and obviously Horatio in writing that hymn was going through uh, uh, something I couldn't even imagine um, in, in losing the majority of his family. But um, everyone kind of goes through different trials in life. I think trials can be kind of relative in, in certain ways. But yeah, the past, the past couple of years have probably been some of the hardest years of my life personally um just you know quite a quite a few things that have been going on that that have been very difficult so i know that hymn definitely spoke to me personally on just coming to grips with that no matter what is going on god does have a greater purpose and our our sight definitely does not line up with his will but he can use everything that takes place for his glory and uh, and possibly for good so it, it definitely spoke to me personally that no matter what is going on, um, that it may be used for, for God's glory, that it's got to be well with my soul. It's got to be okay. Some of our listeners might be getting the impression that <laughs> your self-titled is just covers of hymns, but it's not. You really get into laying out your faith in your music like the album's opening song, Mouthful of Spiders. And man, that's a creepy title. I just have this real thing about spiders. <laughs> but anyway, the song speaks about not running from God. It sounds like you might have experience with that. Uh, yeah, I know, I know I definitely do. I spent a good, good amount of time in high school and quite a few years after running from him. Um, that's for certain. I actually came up with those lyrics probably uh, eight years ago. The chorus was written recently for that song, but the majority of the verses and the bridge I'd actually written probably about eight years ago. And um, the lyrics kind of came together from a vision or, or just kind of looking at the world through, through a lens of uh, how it was heading um, or how it is heading, really kind of turning its back from God and uh, just going in its own way, almost almost lifting anything or self up above. So, I mean, I guess that's that was kind of the, the motivation behind writing those lyrics. Until We Die also dumps on the U.S. on the song Red, White, and Dead. It even talks about God walking away from the country. What's bothering you about the States? <laughs> I love that big sigh. I know I don't want to get all political or anything because I could honestly, oh man, I'm going to th throw myself out here. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, at heart, and this is probably a lot of uh, high school still talking, but I think at heart, I'm, I'm truly a little bit of an anarchist. In just in the self-governing sense, and uh, you know, I just 
no matter which side of the aisle you look at, no matter where you look, I mean, people are people are looking to glorify themselves more than they are anything else. And uh, the U.S. amongst all the other nations in the world is definitely not exempt from from that. Doesn't being an anarchist run contrary to how we should be as Christians? I don't believe so. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I guess it depends on your view of anarchy. Um, you know, I, I definitely don't look at anarchism as chaos, as a lot of people like to to view it. I, I more just see it as a a self-governing. And I think that runs pretty parallel with being a follower of, of Jesus and, and governing yourself. And I, I don't want to capitalize on on that too much because it's it's really just a a brief thought in my mind i do my best to kind of stay out of politics and i think that may be part of my reasoning for somewhat labeling myself an anarchist is is that i think most governments are corrupt um especially as as they lean away from god's hand to be a true, dedicated, committed anarchist, don't you have to move to Montana or Utah or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing's getting me away from the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, you know, it's I use that term probably very loosely. I don't know that I would consider myself a full-blown um, anarchist, especially as, as some people may view it. Um, it's more just an idea of being self-governed and not not needing an earthly government to tell me to wear my seatbelt. <laughs> so you don't want to wear your seatbelt. Oh, it's just a stupid analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I should have the freedom not to <laughs> if I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know. This just sort of reminds me of something that happened in Boston there. Was that last year or the year before? And they had all the snow and people were having fun jumping off the roofs of their houses into the snow. And the city said, don't do that. And it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> uh, anyway, governments always want to find something weird to complain about. Yeah, definitely not jumping off the top of our roof into snow here. <laughs> Artists coming from a Christian faith, they tend to bring this out in their music in different ways. I mean, some want to evangelize the planet, and then there's others that are more subtle, and they just want to bring a Christian perspective to everyday things. Where's Until We Die headed? Um, wherever God leads. I don't know that I would throw us in either of those categories, per se. You know, I think we're really just open to where God brings us. I definitely don't look to shove my thoughts and words down people's throats. I know it may seem that way with the, the urgency in how I bring the vocals across, but um, that's really just kind of the style that best comes out of me. Um, and I believe that there's definitely some urgency to the message, um, but I'm definitely not looking to beat anyone over the head with it. I look for one-on-one -on -one conversation and and look to spread God's love and and um, throw my arm around someone and and help them along if that's what they need at that moment. You know, all of us live in the real world. You know, not in a sealed-off room, and that's why I often ask faith-based artists about what kind of acceptance they find from a non-Christian crowd, 
But I'm almost wondering if Until We Die isn't laying that out on the song Open Wound. Yeah. Gosh, that's another song that I actually wrote probably about eight years ago or so, um, or or lyrically wrote about eight years ago. Um, and it actually kind of stemmed from a personal experience of of speaking with other Christians who, who in my eyes almost came across pharisaical, um, kind of how the, the Pharisees were, were to Jesus and, and his followers. And, uh, you know, that song just kind of came out of that of saying, you know, basically, why do you think your way of evangelizing is any better than, than mine? Who are you to slam the, the ministry that God has given me or anyone else? Um, I think that's kind of how that song sort of spawned. Do you find that some Christians or some Christian groups are just too single-minded and they're not broad-minded enough to accept different views? I don't know that I would totally single out, you know, just Christians and that. I think anyone can be that way at pretty much any given time about a multitude of, of topics, that's for sure. Um, I mean, having said that, uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got kind of their own thoughts. Open Wound also talks about speaking with mouth and guarded and throwing off tyranny. Is it the Christians that you're aiming that towards? Or again, you're being all-encompassing? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little all-encompassing, you know? Um, I guess, you know, I mean, toward, towards the end, in the, the lyrics that you're referring to right there, it, it is a, a little bit all, you know, kind of generalized, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's something to be said about, you know, I'm, not that I'm here to, to really badmouth any one group of people, or but there are some Christians that that seem to hold themselves, you know, kind of kind of high and mighty, and um, you know, I think that kind of takes us back to the the First Timothy one fifteen of of realizing that that we're all sinners in need of God's grace, um, and I think as Christians, I think we need to be some of the first people to to acknowledge that, to, you know, not come across high and mighty and be willing to, to call it like it is. We should probably close this thing up, but here's something I'd really like to know. What's the purpose of Until We Die, and how will you accomplish it? Uh, just spreading the word of Jesus through our music and continue to do exactly what we do. Oh, come on. Tell us the truth. You're doing this so you don't have to go out bowling, and you don't have to have your wife harping at you. We're doing it until we die. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, that's kind of, you know, kind of the, the moral behind the name is that, and like Chuck said earlier, we're, we're too stupid to stop. So, um, you know, God's given us a passion for our music and, and a passion for him, and, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't see any point in stopping that's for sure. And um, I think we're really just open to uh, to his leading and, and where he wants to take it and who he wants to put us in front of. And yeah, I mean, in, I guess in ways that, you know, I mean, interviews are a little harder trying to speak on the songs themselves. Um, I love to let our songs kind of do the speaking for us a little bit. I mean, shoot, it shows I, I maybe say five words throughout our whole set other than singing. You know, I mean, we, we like to keep it kind of Ramon styling and, and just one, two, three, four, and rip through the set. 
Until We Die has been here with The Antidote. Guys, thanks so much for spending time with us. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, man. Blessings.